You gotta pay attention to the signs. When life reaches out a moment like this, it's a sin if you don't reach back. It'll haunt you for the rest of your days, like a curse. The character Pat Sr., played by Robert De Niro, from the film Silver Linings Playbook. He's kind of crazy, she's a little insane. Keeping energy really messes with his brain. One is divorced, the other's husband is dead. That's why it's so messed up in the head. It's a Silver Linings Playcast. Oh yeah. Hello everybody and welcome to the Silver Linings Playcast. As far as I know, this is the only podcast solely devoted to talking about Silver Linings Playbook, the movie, and Silver Linings Playbook, the Silver Linings Playbook, the book. I'm your host, Jamie Ward, like I've been every week for the last year and a half. Whoa, whoa, what a week, what a week, what a week. I have just been straight up lying to everybody about how I am doing uh, but I am here and recording, which in the end is really all that matters. Uh, we are really going to have an episode today, like an old school episode today, but not an old, old school episode. Like we were talking about the, uh, movie. We're like, we're not actually going to talk about several line playbook on this, this, or maybe we will. I don't know. <laughs> I don't want, I, here's the thing. I've talked I've had a, a, a bunch of communications with friends this week. Um, I've been I've been doing something I needed to do that I haven't done. That has been clear that I haven't done from the last couple episodes, and that's have human contact with human people, even if it's just remotely or by phone or whatever. And and I actually went to hang out with a buddy in real life and ran into another person that I know while I was there. Uh, I run into too many people. I know like, that's the craziest thing, right? I'm not, I'm not big. I'm not famous, but I went to go visit a, uh, a buddy who's like an hour and a half drive away from me. Uh, we went to a sports bar to watch the university of South Carolina game on Saturday and sit down at the table. Hey, I know you. <laughs> so that's the thing. That happened. Would have rather not run into that person, but it's all right. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. For somebody that can't even get out of their house or talk to anybody, like I should be happy to run into to anyone. Uh, so, so what I'm saying is that, that I've, while I am not necessarily doing better in my head, I am focused on outward things again. Sometimes when I am falling apart, it's basically because I've been left alone with my own thoughts and I start falling apart with being worried about the future, failing everything, doing terrible, letting people down, uh, just being an overall shitty person. So I've talked to some, some of my friends and some, and so I'm not going to like put anybody on blast. I don't like airing other people's dirty laundry, but we've had some really great discussions because I, I've, like to think that I help them, right? I pull myself out of thinking about myself whenever I'm given the opportunity to sort of uh, absorb other people's pain and suffering. Not like in a big deal. We, we might get into some of the big things 
going on, but all I'm really talking about is that uh, I had an interesting discussion with a good friend who hopefully we'll have on back. He's been on the podcast a couple times. I'm happy I've had enough guests on here now. I can say they've been on here previously, but it's not instantly giving away exactly who it is because they've had enough different guests and going to have a couple more in the future. I hope if I'm alive and keep doing this, haha. Uh, <laughs> anyway, he and I had a, had some conversations. Um, he called me cause he, he was kind of worried about, about his mental state during the day. And I was worried that because something happened and he's like, well, did, uh, I'll tell you the, the short of it was he was sort of worrying about what might happen based on thoughts he was having and worrying about the future of his relationship and just wanted to sort of get some perspective from an outside, uh, sort of unbiased opinion about whether he was worried about whether he might be seeing signals of, you know, early red flags or if, uh, he was just, you know, um, had conditioned himself for self-sabotage based on his own personal experiences. Now, this is a conversation that is, is not the first time I've had it with him. He is not the first person I've had this conversation with, and he is not the only one suffering from this. I think we all, everybody, um, I'm not sure if it's a generational thing, but I definitely think there's a generational trend of people that uh, I am a millennial, and people that, in, at least in my age category, moving forward, I don't know. I think, uh, I think Gen X is, is um, it's not as uh, characteristic of the Gen X mentality, even though it was there. You can see the evolution moving forward. What is it we're talking about? I'll get there in a second. Talking about uh, worrying about things messing up in the future. Now, I'm not talking on on a level of like, worrying about the future. Oh no, I don't know if this is going to work out. People have always been worried about the future. The future is scary. The future scares us. Us in Western society, when we talk about taboo subjects, we often think about sex and violence. It's like, oh, we don't have honest talks about these things. They're so <laughs> taboo. Here's the thing. We actually do. We talk about those things all the time. And what are they what are they uh, the placeholders for? Are fears of time passing, aging? Death is even, again, an oversimplification, I think, of what we are afraid of, just as people, as humans. And our, our Western philosophy and metaphysical um, lens that we view you know, the nature of the progression of time, events, and space uh, doesn't give us a lot of uh, comfort in the way we look at it. Now, I don't think our perspective is absolutely wrong because it gives us a lot of uh, bravado. It gives us a lot of assertive and, and dominating personality traits that help us accomplish really great things. So we as Westerners are not sitting around doing nothing collectively, like not creating. We are creating, we are building, we are exploring, we are doing great things. Why do we do these things? 
because we feel like life is out of control because we feel like we, we have a big question that we are not even allowed and comfortable enough to have, you know, to ask with our, our friends and family. And that is what happens. Nobody wants to admit they don't know what's going to happen. Right. I have been irresponsible since I was 25 and I always had my insurance through the military. And then I got out of the military and I just, I didn't pick any up for a couple of years cause I didn't care. I'd never thought about it that way. I was still kind of young and healthy. And then, um, healthcare became a big political issue. And it was one of those that like, I had really never thought about it. I had never read, heard about or have people that were, you know, experiencing uh, medical crises, or the the really the financial crises that that accompany uh, the medical system, the healthcare system in the U.S. Suddenly, I got paranoid about to the point where it's like I wouldn't even do physical activities until I finally, a couple of years ago, uh, picked up my my health insurance both through the VA and private health insurance. Um, but there was like a two year window before I picked up insurance again. But, uh, when I, I had gotten over the not caring and was now aware that this was, this could be like a catastrophic thing where I was literally not engaging in physical activities that I thought would be fun. I, I'm now the dummy in me was, I was still driving all across America, which is one of the most dangerous things you can possibly do. Right. But like I've, I've wanted to ice skate so bad my whole life. I love the idea of ice skating. One of my favorite movies of all time is the cutting edge. I used to watch, watch the, the ice skaters. Um, when I went to school in Boston, I would get up really early and before I had to go work out, uh, for myself, I would sneak into the, the ice rink and watch the hockey players and the figure skaters and them just practicing. And it's like, I've always wanted to do it. I even, I bought skates in high school and I joined the hockey team for like two days. I'd never made it on the ice. I, I suited up and, uh, you know, I, I told them I forgot my helmet the first day of practice senior year and uh coach said I couldn't get on the ice until I was a dummy. It's like I'll I'll bring it tomorrow. Uh and then I I you know, same thing. I did, I wasn't gonna be able to skate any better the next day. So I showed up and I told him the helmet was in my car and I walked out to the car before practice started and I just got in and I drove away and I never looked at them again, which was not weird until I went out for, for baseball that year in the spring, only to find out the hockey coach was the baseball coach too. And so I walked away from that and I just never, uh, never played high school baseball, which is sad because that is sort of the second thing that I would have most loved to do in all my life. If I could have done anything, uh, that I can't do now would have been a professional baseball player. Um, that's, that's, that's about it because that's all, the only thing that's when I, I want. 
uh, anyway. So, but, but let's get back to why I'm talking about all this. My friend and I, we've, we've both had this. I've had this. Everybody that I've ever been in a relationship I, that I can remember has had the same conversation too, in a way, uh, because it's what people our age do. We talk about, um, are we so shaped by our past experiences and traumas, our past relationships, our past disappointments, the things we like, who we are, the things that have formed us, that we are predisposed to uh, sabotaging our own efforts of being happy in the future? Or are we just being sort of weary and educated about things as they go on. Now, one of the points I made when I was talking to my friend was I was talking about uh, the first time you ever fall in love when you're in little school and you, your first little relationship and you you guys date or you might even be too young to that and like, oh, you think like you think this is going to be it because that's, that's all you know. That's the only thing, right? Uh, you think it's perfect and then you quickly find out it's not or maybe you don't. Maybe you go on and some people are little school sweethearts and live fairy tales, right? Uh, but But most of us have more than one relationship in our lifetime. And here's the thing. The first time we went in, we didn't know anything. We went completely off of emotion and feeling. Now, if you're listening to that and your first relationship you ever were in didn't work out, uh, one, I'm sorry, but I guess I might not be too because that's probably a good thing. If it didn't work out, it probably didn't work out for a reason, but you had no information going into that. Your second one. Now you have the information about that first one, which might not be applicable because there's a many different scenarios and there's many different dynamics with different personality types and different people and different things, right? But you have a hundred percent more information than you had going in to your first one. Now we're discounting advice you've gotten, you've gotten from, from parents, friends, watching other people that you've absorbed from media, uh, books, movies, and, and TV shows. All of those things can help you make more informed decisions. Reading, writing, movies, books, and observation of other people can give you more information about human nature. And while you, you, I don't believe you can like science your, your perfect mate or life path because I think there's been experiments and people have shown that I, I'm not, I'm not saying that it might not be possible in a, in a big sense. It's just way too complex of a calculation for us to figure out 100% at this point. Are technology companies trying to? Yes, they are. Netflix has put in uh, more money, I believe, than any technology company to create an algorithm to, f to find ways to get people to spend more time watching Netflix, to get more people to find more people. They spent, when they first developed their streaming service uh, to expand upon their DVD rental service, it was a newsworthy story that they had spent more money on getting tech companies to create a, an algorithm to figure out ways to recommend things that people would like based on things that they already like, things that they would like over things that they like. 
And I'm, I'm happy about this. Techno technology is great. We're not going to go into any of the dark side of what technology could be today, because this is, that's not what this podcast is about. Maybe we'll explore it later for conversation in a future episode, but, uh, you know, we, we're a podcast about silver Linux playbook, Excelsior, you know, positivity, seeing, seeing the best in things even if the things aren't the best, right? So we're so, so let's all agree just for the current conversation that you can't math the perfect mate for somebody. Now, as you go on in your life and you have more relationships, be these romantic, be these uh, fraternal, be these uh, familial, um, different business relationships, associations, you learn more about how to interact with people and, and ways to be better yourself, things that you like in other people, things that you don't. Why are we not all uh, necessarily friends with people that we were friends with when we were little? Same thing. All right. We're talking about relationships in general now, not just romantic. Any two people that are connecting and communicating for any reason, that's a re relationship, right? Uh, one of the big things that, uh, and, and I, I actually don't think this comes out of millennials as much, maybe Gen Z or Y uh, a little bit. I don't know, sort of this idea of like this, this big generational belief and reminder to itself that like you don't have to stay friends with people just because the idea of you are friends with people. Um, which I think there's a lot of truth to that too. I think it's gone a little overblown to the point where, where people are like, I'm so going to cut out anybody who like, if I'm not perfectly happy a hundred percent in the presence of somebody, if there's anything toxic about them, boom, out of my life. Uh, there like, so I do think there is, is reasons to be like that for mental health reasons and sanity reasons. Uh, if, if safety is involved, but also we wonder why the world is becoming more polarized every day. And that is because people are not feeling the obligation to work things out between each other. Just anybody that if even one thing happens that I don't like, poof, you're gone. Uh, I think that's sort of damaging when, when taken too far. I also think it probably there's probably a different threshold depending on the different relationships too. Like say you have a job and most of the stuff is pretty good at that. You're lucky. A lot of people don't like most of the things about our job. Most of us just have to work because we have to work. Right? So if you find one thing and you're just like, I just can't stand this, this one thing, you sort of have to weigh the, the worth of how much good are you getting from this situation. Relationships are like that a lot. Uh, romantic relationships, right? The There are so many different variables and factors in a personality and relationship dynamics that uh, define, here's the thing. Do you, do you want to date you? You're a, a person that is exactly you. Me personally, I don't think I would get along with me. Uh, is 
that mean I, I have a record of choosing the polar opposites of me been better? I don't know. I'm all single and alone. So I, I, you know, that's a, a currently a losing strategy too. Um, but, uh, a lot of my friends are, share a lot of things similar to me. Now there's also big differences in them. And that's a lot of where I think why we connect so well is, and also what the differences are matters a lot because a lot of our similarities are on how we view the world and what we like to do and what we like to learn. There's a difference between things that are fundamental characteristics of our personalities and preferences. Now me been like, I like mushrooms. Uh, I like onions. I like avocados, those three things. Um, I'm a person that likes to help other people in everything I've done. I've always tried to tried to find a way to assist others, mentor others, or, or, you know, uh, support them. Those are two entirely different things. Liking those foods is a preference. Uh, what I feel about like those things, that's a sort of a personality thing about me. So some of my closest friends, the, the interesting thing is uh, I met them through comedy. We're all writers. We're very into filmmaking. So that means that like personality wise, we're into the same stuff. We watch the world and we want to do the same things. We want to create, we want to analyze and we want to dissect. Um, my friends typically tend to be uh, good people. And that could be a whole different philosophical conversation about defining good and good people. But what I'm saying is that they're genuinely altruistic and kind and helpful to other people and stuff. Now, do they all like mushrooms, onions, and avocados? Not necessarily. Uh, I have some friends that are very picky eaters and stuff. Now, this is what I'm saying. Some people in relationships have said, oh, well, this person doesn't like some of the same things I, I don't like. I'm going to cut them off. And that's fair. You totally have the right to do that. I think a better approach for long-term things is to say, we're probably going to have differences on those things. But there's so many things in life, because I'm saying we have preferences in all these different things. Uh, what, like, like where you could take the information that I'm saying right now and, you know, apply it as advice is sort of don't get caught up in the weeds, especially in early levels of courtship, right? Where maybe you're breaking down. Does this person like the same TV shows I do? Does this person like the same books that I do? Oh, we don't have enough overlap in that we're not compatible. I, th I think that's an important thing at some point especially if you get more serious, but at the beginning you should actually be looking at a, at a sort of a bigger question. And that's more like, do you prefer books to movies? Do you prefer TV to movies? Do you prefer live? Cause that's, that's the thing that, that you will build into together. Those larger personality, uh, traits, 
and interests. Are we both people that like to give things or receive things more? And then all those little ones, you work out later. Absolutely. There's deal breakers. There's red and green flags about that. All I'm saying is that I think we focus way too much on the micro up front. Now let's go back to this conversation that, that my friend and I were having. Uh, my friend and I, he was, he was talking about um, seeing some things that, that may concern him. Not like specific events, just trends that he was recognizing from past relationships that he's had. Now, we all do this. Of all the weeks for him to call me up about this, I have this exact same kind of thing going through my head about should I have known, should I have thought there was all these warning signs that I was going through the same same cycle that I've gone through. Uh, but do we really know? Can we ever know? Are we changed people? Now I'm not going to have a yes or no answer to this because you can't know. Nobody can ever know all. What I tried to tell him was it is not wrong to think about the future. It's not wrong to plan. I am a big believer that people should uh, get insurance. It's a very important thing. Do a little bit of retirement plan. Think ahead. Don't get caught in the future not having done any prep the future yourself. But, but, and here's the thing, and it is difficult, and I am telling you all this as well as telling myself because I know it, but I can't do it. I think we need to focus more on where we are now. I always have this hypothetical uh, theory about my division of attention. And I like the numbers aren't important, but it's just to give you sort of a fraction example of what I, what I think personally, I, th I think um, that, that I'm a person that's caught in the past I feel like 50% of, of where my mind is always at is just replaying things from the past, worrying about them. Uh, and then it's like 35% in the future, worrying about the future, looking at all that past I've analyzed and seeing how it's going to be terrible and just being afraid of it and, and scared of it. Or sometimes, and I don't know, I might be bipolar. The more I study it and the more that I read uh, people about it um, or meet people who have it. Sounds very familiar. <laughs> Do I or not? Here's the thing. It doesn't matter. I'm not even going to get checked now because it's not an important thing to me at this time because I'm working a lot of these things out on my own about like what should I be doing? How can I make myself better? And that is, I think, focusing at least 50% of my attention on the present, on putting out the fires now, on doing what needs to do to keep myself going. I'm not advocating to be somebody that forgets the past. The past is important. I love learning. One of my favorite things. I love to learn new things every day. The reason I'm a little late recording this because I got lost 
watching uh, YouTube list videos of, of the top 10 most unexplained deaths, creepiest unexplained deaths from history. And then I was watching one on 20 places that you should not visit by yourself because they're creepy and paranormal and stuff. And then I, and I made it to 13 and I'm like, no, I have to get this done first. And so I got, got my script down. Uh, but, but so my idea is more that, that to be healthier and successful, we need to really spend more like 25 ish, maybe a third of, of our focus on learning lessons from the past, remembering that so that we can not start over every time we do it and thinking ahead, definitely think 25 to a third on the future so that we're prepared so that we have a plan so that we're not acting impulsively and constantly doing things that we regret. But we really need to focus on where we are as well. I think one of the important things, one of the most important things about, about finding romantic relationships is here's the thing. And it's, it's a hard truth that I told my buddy and this, this wasn't even a bad thing. This wasn't even a thing that was disappointing to him because it was just an honest thing that I, and it's a lesson that I've learned. You have to take a risk. It's always going to be a risk until technology can figure these things out for us perfectly. You're always going to put your heart on the line and it will be subject to maybe being broken and hurt more than you can ever possibly want. But also that's the only way you have a chance of getting the best feeling in the world either. You don't have to do this is a whole optional part of life. You can go through life playing it the safest way you can. And that's what I've done for most of my life. And then I, I changed about four years ago and I was like, you know what? I'm going to start taking risks and man, man, I have lost big a couple of times, devastating times. And I feel like if anybody had, you know, the justification to, to just give up on being hopeful, I have it. Not like, oh, I'm special. I'm the only one, but I, I think plenty of us have it. But, but you know, I've, I've just, I've, I've messed up a lot and I've lost a lot and I'm just not, but here's the thing. And this is maybe why this is my favorite book and movie because it's a story about a protagonist that also sort of has an excuse. He could give up and he could pack it in. And for some reason he doesn't, maybe he's dumb. Have we ever thought about that? Maybe Pat's an idiot. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's definitely not smart. If you, if you read the book, he's, he sounds way crazier. Uh, I, they definitely, you know, wanted Bradley Cooper to be like a dreamy leading man in a romantic comedy in the movie, but in the book, he has been in the institution for almost five years and he doesn't even know what's up with Philadelphia, like where he, you know, what's new or what's going on in New Jersey. Like these are, he doesn't recognize the present. 
being there. So he's kind of, he look he's way more insane in the book. Um, he's obsessed with his ex-wife who to the audience, that's not happening. Uh, you know, sort of, he's, he's not going to get back with it. in the book. She doesn't even make contact with it. Like she's in the movie that should compress events and sort of, you know, change it for the adaptation a little bit. But in the book there, like his wife doesn't even exist. He could have made up the character of Nikki in the book. We don't even know. It, everything that happened could have been in his head. But he keeps going. He, now he gets help. That's the story. That's the that's the plan of it. And for some reason, for some reason, like, here's the thing. I want to give up on so many things. I want to give up on life. I want to give up on my career. I want to give up on my friend. But like, but like, I still believe things can be better. I don't even know if I believe they can be better for me. I just believe in the idea of better. I believe in evil. I believe in failure. I believe in good as well. Do I know who's going to get which? I don't. Do I, I think people get what they deserve always? Not necessarily. I think there's sort of like a bell curve, even distribution of most people get what they generally deserve. Some people are super blessed and some people are cursed. And it's not even, it's not even like a metaphysical distribution of fates. That's just the way statistics works for everything. Do we even know? I don't know. Is it a mindset? Is it just a, a perspective of... Because there's also, you know, examples of, of people where bad things happen to them, but mentally they just persevere harder. They, they work their way through it, you know. There's people that, that are living pretty well and just can't be happy. I'd actually say that I'd probably fall into that category. I'm very lucky. The circumstances that I was born into, uh, raised through, live in, and yet I'm miserable. And, I, and there's guilt that I feel about that too, because I feel like I don't even deserve to be as sad as I am, which hurts more and then compounds things. Sometimes when I try to be very unaccountable for that, that sort of emotional state and I'm looking for excuses, I look at my past experiences, I look at the things I've been through and try to justify where they might come from. Um, and even that is sort of my attempt to, you know, isolate my experiences from, from my feelings in the way that I just said that, because if you think about it, right, like, um, I, I could be wrong. Everything I just said was sort of based on my personal opinion. And I say opinion with a big O because it is not scientific or educated at all. In fact, it discounts a lot of scientific study in psychology. My feeling that, like, I really don't believe in in me being shaped by my trauma. I've talked about that a bunch. I really hate that word. I don't hold that to anybody else. I feel like there's a, it makes sense for a lot of people. A lot of people can find answers to who they are now based on 
looking at the journey of where they came from, right? That's the big thing that therapists do a lot. They'll, and I do believe that they can be helpful. I guess I haven't really worked with any that I particularly liked, but even that, that is a therapist-patient relationship. And I probably need to look around for more or better ones, or ones that I get along with better or something. Like, they've tried. They've tried. I hope if, if you do, that's an important thing. Understand that you don't have to settle for whoever you find in the phone book on the internet. It's, you know, find somebody you can talk to that relates to you in the way that you need for self-growth, self-healing in that way. But the approach that a lot of them will take is look at the experiences you have and see how they may or may not have shaped your mindset and the way that you are experiencing and or suffering from things now and help give you tools that help you deal with those based on the causes of where, where your feelings and problems might be coming from now. Now, I do, I do totally believe in that part. Like, I do believe that there are things we can do. There are best practices. There are tactics, techniques, and procedures that give you a better opportunity to help yourself than others. Uh, I used to smoke a lot. Um, I've been about two years without smoking now, I think. I was a smoker for a long time, several decades. One of the things that has helped is not putting myself in a position where I can as much. That's one of those things that, that where little practices can help you develop better behaviors and stronger. As with all addictive things, right? Just removing them from your ability to have them can be one of the things, one of the tools that may or may not help you, especially based on how you developed those different things. Now, let's get into the meat of, of what I've been wondering since I was talking to my friend about this idea. Are we self-sabotaging or are we reading the signs of what we're seeing based on education from relationship experiences? Let's talk very briefly about the Greek myth of Oedipus. Everybody hears the word Oedipus and they laugh and they're like, oh, that's the guy that falls in love with your mother. It's a complex about uh, being in love with your mother. Uh, let's actually talk about the story of it. Do you know the story of it? Um, I've never like read, read it, but I, I've heard the, the short of it is there was a prophecy that Oedipus would kill his father and marry his mother. So... The, the father knew that, and to prevent that, he took, took baby Oedipus out and left him in the woods, thinking that if he's not here, he can't do those things. So, like in a lot of myths and old stories, Oedipus found by another couple that raised him, and in his young manship, he learns about the prophecy that he is one day going to kill his mother, kill his father and marry his mother. Now he doesn't know he's adopted. And he's like, well, 
I don't want to do that. If I get away from this pair of people, I will not be able to do that thing. He heads over back to the area where his birth parents are. And on the way, he um, unwittingly kills his father in a little roadside adventure that he didn't know was his father. And he marries the wife of the former, his dad. I mean, I guess it was still his dad. Thereby fulfilling the prophecy. It is a sort of myth with the, the philosophical thought experiment about, um, or sort of, sort of highlighting the idea of determinism, fate. Things are, are going to happen and we do not have a hand in changing them. And yet those things that we do that make it not a direct line in, in the narrative, the fact that he didn't just grow up with his family to kill his father and his mother, that's where we get the idea, um, the feeling that we have free will if it doesn't exist. Now, I'm not saying free will doesn't exist. I'm just saying that that's where in that story it highlights why, why we feel, you know, if that model is true, if that theory is true, then we don't have the ability to change what's going to happen but it is those choices that we make towards fate that we confuse for free will. Now, is there free will? Uh, I like to think so. However, here's, here's the thing. When a lot of people think they have free will, they are, I, f I feel like people don't actually make an argument for free will as strongly as they believe they are. All right, so let's talk about this concept is called the principle of alternative possibilities. It's a philosophical argument that um, you, you're only able to make a moral choice if you have a choice, if you have the ability to make a choice that is not moral. This is sort of like people often misunderstanding the cinema, I guess it's a legal concept, but portrayed in movies and TV a lot about entrapment where, uh, police will force somebody to commit a crime and then arrest them. You can't do that. That's entrapment. That is an actual rule law, but people get very confused. All right. They get confused and often will call anything uh, entrapment such as like the use of bait cars where cops put out a car and make it very stealable. And then somebody comes along and like, you're just like, Oh, this is such a good opportunity. There's a car. Um, that's untraceable. The keys were left in the ignition. I just got to steal this thing. Right. Or leaving money out or something making that, uh, that is not the same as entrapment because entrapment is where you're actually forced to commit the crime, right? Like if the cop has a gun to your back and says, I need you to shoot this other person that is entrapment. And you did not have 
the option. If you wanted to survive, if you wanted to live, you had to kill that other person. So in that situation, the principle of alternate possibilities, you were not able to do something, uh, uh, you know, not moral if you wanted to do something more. I'm might not saying that correctly, right? But that is different than the situation where a crime is put before you um, and it just is too enticing and looks too easy to get away with because you had the personal option to walk away. All right. This is not a legal podcast. So one, I'm not giving you advice, but two, that's not even the point I was trying to make. We're using that. You see how that's tied in to this idea of, is there such a thing as free will? Well, if there is one thing that means there has to be the ability to make the wrong decision. If there is even such thing as a right decision, but we do believe we have the ability to make choices. We all believe we have the ability to make choices, right? So let's bring up a couple other terms that are important to talking about this idea. Uh, Everybody probably knows what the word causation means, but there's a couple different kinds when they talk about the principle of alternate possibilities in philosophy. Physical causation and agent causation. Physical causation is sort of like dominoes. It's like something happens in the world because something happens in the world physically. These, it's a chain of reaction of events causing events, the passage of time. Water evaporates, uh, it turns into clouds, the clouds get heavy, they turn into rain. The rain causes water, water evaporates, you have the rain cycle. That will go on forever. Agent causation is the idea that something is caused by something that we do. An agent, a person, uh, a person uh, affects things causes things, initiates things. So let's say uh, um, physical causation in Silver Linings Playbook is just this idea that people get married, um, you know, uh, Jackie and Robert. Um, they have a son who becomes... Uh, Bradley Cooper, he's going to get married to Jennifer Lawrence. They have a kid. And so it's, it's a social version, but it's sort of like the system of things will perpetuate itself based on things that happen. They'll fall in love and base themselves. Now let's look for some uh, examples of agent causation. The thing that I immediately think of is when Tiffany tracks down Pat when he's on his running running route and chases him down and causes them to meet. If she did not do that, then like yes, they would have met uh, when they went to dinner with Ronnie and Veronica, but their like their friendship really like that's her flirting with him. That's sort of the beginning of the chain of events that lead to their eventual pairing, right? 
Now, it's sort of weird to talk about this because both it's all past tense because it's all stuff that has happened because it is already a story that's written and it's all fictional. So it's always going to happen. But the only moment that exists is right now, right? The only thing we know is where we are and everything that has already happened. So if we look at our own life stories, if you look at, if you're in a relationship now, you look at the steps that got you there, all the things that wouldn't have happened, that if they didn't happen, you wouldn't be where you are now. We'll never really have an answer unless there is some higher being that can answer a or questions philosophically, but like, were those supposed to happen or were, you know, were those the things that were always going to happen? Is every choice you make forced based on the forces that are at play creating every single moment? We still might think right now, Hey, I've got free will. I can do whatever I want. But I now want to point out this whole thing that everybody that, that I talk to around my age, and this is where that whole trauma thing comes in, right? People are very adamantly clinging to this idea that I do this because this kind of thing happened to me. I am afraid of these things because I've experienced these things, right? So... People are worried when they're dating or in relationships that they are making decisions, but yet they're still claiming that part of what goes into those decisions is their experiences based on things that happened. Now, this idea about determinism versus free will is not necessarily talking about we know what will happen and we'll be able to predict what happens. Let's break it down. This isn't picking a show on Netflix. This is choosing Netflix or Hulu, right? Determinism versus free will. We're just asking right now, could you make a different choice? I'm not saying, do you have the ability? If I ask you right now, red or blue, left or right, up or down, onions or mushrooms. You can select one of those and it feels like free will, right? But my question comes in, are you going to make that decision uh, based on now there's a lot of factors. There's way more than we can calculate. I have had very positive responses in my comedy for doing the opposite of what is expected I'm going to do. So if somebody presents me, would you like a slice of pizza or would you like ice cream? And that person knows that I like pizza way better. And maybe the ice cream is ketchup flavored and really gross. And I feel like I have free will so I can decide between those two. But I also have this, this thing at play where I've been rewarded my whole life for going against the grain, for being funny, 
for choosing the thing that, that I shouldn't. So I say, I'll take the ketchup ice cream. And I like to believe that I chose that. And I like to give myself credit that I'm going to get a laugh from that. And I might get a gross out reaction from that. And it might be just terrible and it might be good. But now I'm kind of freaking out now because I'm like, did I really choose that? We feel like we have choices and yet there's so many factors. Oh, we're dumb. And I'm not saying that as like individuals. I'm saying that as people, as a species, as humans, as, as the amount we've, as, as the, the potential that our brains have developed to analyze all the forces at, you know, at work. So when somebody says something like, I used to be in a relationship that was terribly toxic I was very controlled. I had to play a very submissive role in life. And okay, let's take another example. A lot of people who were abusers were abused. It's cyclical. That's just an example, not to excuse any type of behavior, but an example of uh, physical causation. We're not talking physical about like matter atoms, physical impact, because it could in fact be, um, you know, it, uh, emotional, mental things like narcissism, things like gaslighting, emotional abuse, different things like that. Right. But are there mental dominoes that we stack and are not able to stack in any other direction? My love of subverting expectations comes from all the times that I have been rewarded. And has it come to the point where it's a Pavlovian response for me to go against my nature often picking things I don't want just because in the past I've gotten a laugh, I've gotten a pat on the back, I've gotten a thumbs up on, on social media rewarding me for doing the exact opposite of what I should be doing for myself. I'm not bringing any of this up to offer advice about or, or even judgment on whether this is right, wrong, whether we should do something about it or something else. It's just this fascinating thing that I found while I was studying uh, the conversation that I had with my friend. This, this whole thought, this notion that we only think of cause and effect in terms of physical things in the real world, but we think we have control over our thoughts. But in the same time, we're also a generation that likes to blame the fact that we have certain feelings and certain thoughts that we're we're not better than escaping based on different experiences and things that, that we have gone through, which is technically physical causation. Do you get that? That's what I'm saying is like, even the thoughts that we think we have, were they caused by other thoughts and our environment? Did we ever have an option? <laughs> I I don't know. Maybe. 
I really don't. And, and this is the important part. I think, does it matter? I'm not sure it matters yet because again, even if we could calculate all those things, does it say anything about the future? That's the important part about this philosophy and, uh, psychology and meditation and all these things about studying ourselves. All I think it's really good for is helping us heal our hurt from the past. Will it help us make better decisions? Possibly. Education is a really important thing. Learning is important. Developing. We've talked about the current states of who we are and how we change as people. And that's really important. I think, I think the important lesson from this is that we need to separate that idea of does knowing our past help or hurt our future? It doesn't matter. Knowing, knowing anything, we need to be not worried about whether our future is hurt or helped. Can we find the tools from our past to affect our present? Can we find ways to undo the anguish and mental traumas that we have from the past to help us be more at peace now? And let us have a more blank page, a blank slate going into the future. Can we find ways to unhate the people that have hurt us in the past, not to unbecome scared from the things that have hurt us in the past, so that when we meet people, that when we enter new relationships, we cannot have those things holding, you know, us hostage, so that we're able to make blank slate decisions, even if we never had any option, even if we don't know or might never know whether we have the free will and it really is us making those decisions. The best thing we can do is honor the, if there is fate, honor the good fate, the potential for a good fate, by trying to be the best people we can be now based on the things we learn. Because here's the thing. Time's going to keep going. Good things will happen to bad people sometimes. Bad things will happen to good people sometimes. Mostly, medium things will happen to medium people. And most of us will be that. But maybe we have a better option because maybe that is the determined fate of all of us, is that we progress collectively to the point where we're more at peace and not burdened by our past. Oh my goodness. I can't believe I said all those things. I'm not a happy person, but I, here's the thing. I focused on this week's podcast instead of what I've got going on in my life. Uh, I can't promise it's going to be this this positive next. Was this even positive? Who knows? 
Uh, I've, hey, is there anybody out there that speaks, um, that knows anything about the country of Uzbekistan? I would love to talk to you about uh, something very important and secret. If you do, um, anyway, you know. And I didn't even have time to get into the whole thing about, like, is is Pat's fate, you know, uh, is, is what happens to him, him working to get better, to make things better, or was that the stuff that was going to happen all the time? Think about it. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you think that... Pat took steps to make his life better or if they always were because, you know, he grew up in a rich white family. Um, and I'm not saying that that automatically makes everything okay for him. I'm just saying that that gave him, you know, he was born into circumstances which gave him the best opportunity to succeed in the world in which he existed. So... Yeah, I mean, I didn't even have time to to get into that or bring up uh, Baron Dolbach, who was an 18th century French-German philosopher, prominent figure from the French Enlightenment, who was a big atheist. And so maybe the, the, this will be a place where we can pick up next week. And then I'll tell people, you have to have listened to this episode to understand anything in next episode. But we all know... That's not true. Because you don't have to know anything about anything to not understand what every episode of this is about. Because could, you know, could we really have done anything different anyway? If you've already listened, if you're listening, if you've listened to this whole thing up to this point, does it really matter whether you chose to or whether you were supposed to because of fate. You've already wasted this hour and I've already wasted this hour talking. So get out there and do something more worthwhile. And really, if you've been wasting your life on listening to my podcast, thank you. But should I even be thanking you? Because there's a 50-50 chance that you didn't have any choice to listen to it. But if I say that now, does that make you want to not listen to it anymore, even if you had the intent of listening it to anymore, just because you want to exercise your free will and you don't like this idea that I'm challenging you now to this idea that you have a choice to listen to my podcast or not? We all have choices. I feel like we have choices and I should have made the choice to not do this podcast 73 weeks ago, 72 weeks ago, but I already made my choice or maybe this is exactly what I was supposed to be doing. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening to the silver linings playcast. As far as I know, we are the only podcast solely devoted to talking about silver linings playbook, the movie and the silver linings playbook, the book tune in every week where we will talk about the exact same things or not until next time uh we'll see you down the road and excelsior he's kind of crazy she's a little insane keeping energy really messes with his brain one is divorced the other's husband is dead 
that's why it's so messed up in the head. It's a Silver Linings Playcast. Oh yeah.